with the time I've got, we're going to jump through this. And we're talking about overflow. We're talking about what do you fill your life with? What do you fill yourself with? Uh, if you've been in church for a half a millisecond, uh, you've probably heard the term that you have a God-sized hole in your heart that only God can fill, right? I mean, and that's even kind of turned into a cliche. Like I said, if you've been in church for half a millisecond, you've probably heard that statement, that there's a part of your heart that only God can fill. And we spend the majority of our life trying to fill that void, trying to fill this void inside of our hearts, this void inside. Um, and, and we do it with a lot of different things. Now, the things I'm going to read through are not bad. doesn't mean that they're sin. It doesn't mean that, oh, this is terrible and you shouldn't do this. I'm just giving you some examples of things that we use to fill our lives. Number one is hobbies. We, we do all kinds of hobbies, maybe sports, extracurricular activities that we do to try to fill our lives. Doesn't mean that they're bad things. We use relationships, we use sex, we use media, which is social media, movies, uh, television. We're constantly bombarded and using that in our lives. We use busyness. We just try to stay busy. We try to distract ourselves from the real issues of our life, from the emptiness we may feel in our lives. Uh, we use stuff. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe the newest car, maybe even just the newest gadgets, the newest clothes, the newest shoes, uh, the best jewelry, whatever it is, even if it's not the best stuff, we can just use stuff to try to fill the void in our life. Uh, we can use education, right? Now, education isn't a bad thing. It's a great thing. You need an education. You need to get your college degree. But we, we don't want to use that as something to fill our lives with, well, this brings purpose or this brings meaning to my life. All right, now I want to read to you out of Romans fifteen thirteen. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Now, I love how it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. We know that in your life that joy and peace are kind of rare things. Uh, peace especially is a rare thing. Uh, we don't have a lot of peace in our lives. Uh, we have a lot of worry in our lives. We have a lot of anxiety in our lives. We have a lot of depression in our lives. Uh, you know, we're probably the highest medicated generation that's ever lived, right? We, you go to the doctor, here, take some pills, right? I feel sad. Well, there's a pill for that. Well, I don't, you know, and so we're always being medicated, trying to fill our lives with, with just whatever it is, right? Probably 99% of the men represented here today are mad. And I mean, not right at this moment, you think, I'm not mad, I feel fine. But in general, when you think about life, you're mad. Now, to the ladies, to their kids, it has nothing to do with you, right? If your husband ever says, my life didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, you have to understand that he is not talking about you. And, and you, may think, well, you may think I'm crazy, you may think I'm lying, right? Men, right, we have this deep desire for something that we almost can't even put words to, Right? We know that somehow there's more. Okay, Ground Zero, for example. Uh, I'm the youth pastor of Ground Zero. We meet on Wednesday nights. I always feel like we're right on the edge of greatness. Like if we could just somehow take one more step, Ground Zero would just be like the best it could possibly be. But I never feel like we can get past that step. Right? And that's how men feel in their lives. They feel like, well, I'm not making the amount of money I thought I would. I'm not at the job I thought I'd be at, 
right? I, I don't have the head of hair I once had or wish I had, right? It, it can be the biggest things down to the smallest things. To lie, you know, I don't have the house I thought. You know, I can remember being in high school and I was going to be a firefighter and I went to Amarillo College and they did the whole where you go through the physical tests and you get to put the mask on and find your way through a smoky room. And I can remember they started off at like 30, 35,000 a year. And I thought like, my gosh, that is so much money. I'm going to buy a brand new pickup. I can get an apartment. And then you get married and have one kid. You're like, my God, I need like 10 times that amount of money, right? Like that is not any money at all. And it's like, this just didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, right? And, and, and that's because we're trying to fill our lives with the wrong things. Romans 15, 13, that's the English standard version. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, as you believe, God's going to fill you with joy and peace at you so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. As we go through our lives, as we go through day-to-day lives, we walk through a broken world. All right, you, we know this. We teach this in Ground Zero. I've taught it on Sunday. God is good, the devil is bad, and the world is broken, right? We always leave out the world is broken, See, the problem with most theology, most religion today is, is we either think God's doing it or the devil's doing it. And you leave out the third party that the world is cursed. The world is broken because of sin, right? The things that we watch on the nightly news that are horrific is because the world is broken, not because God's mad at us, right? And if you're ever worried if God's mad at you, if you wake up in the morning, he's not. You just look in the Old Testament. When he was mad, you didn't wake up the next day. He killed you. He just took care of business. He's like a mobster, right? He didn't let things slide. He wasn't like, hey, that's all right. No, it was like you're a pillar of salt. I mean, you think about Sodom and Gomorrah, and she's running, right? And he says, if you turn around and look, what kind of rule is that? If you turn around and look, it's like you're kind of nitpicking the whole situation here, you know? And she turns to salt, right? Cows were out licking on her the next day, right? And, and so God's not mad at you. Everything is not the devil. The world is broken. And, and you always have to remember that. Romans 12, 2 says, And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. We walk through a broken world. We're affected by this broken world. We're affected by sin. Uh, I always say that sin is a disease, Right? And, and then you sinning is like the, the symptoms of it, right? And we always think that like our, our sin, what we do, well, you lied, so you're a sinner. No, you're, in, you're infected with sin. Lying's just the symptom of it, right? That's just a symptom of what's already on the earth, right? Adam and Eve took the fruit of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They ate it, and, and boom, sin enters the world. And it covered everything, okay? If you don't believe me, I'll show you right here. This is uh, Genesis 3.17. Uh, they've already eaten the fruit, Adam and Eve. Uh, they're hiding. God shows up. God finds them. And God says, and to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the trees whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed or the earth is cursed because of you. And all your life, you'll struggle to scratch a living from it, right? If you're in agriculture, that, that verse has more meaning to you than anybody else, right? If you ever try to plant something, a garden, right? You ever have a patch in your yard where the grass is dead and so you kind of dig it up, rototill it and put seed out and every weed knows some man grows there but not a speck of grass, right? That's because the earth is cursed. The ground is cursed because of sin. Romans 8.21 says, 
The creation, the earth, looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We are given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need hope for it. Right? I love how they put that at the end. If we already had it, we wouldn't need hope for it. I love how it says that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit as a foretaste as what's to come, right? Now, depending on your background in church, uh, you may have certain ideas about the Holy Spirit, certain beliefs about the Holy Spirit. You may think it's great, that's good. I, I don't want these certain parts of it. You know, here's what I think is funny. You go to almost any church in America, Christian church, you know, believes in Jesus, one of those kinds of churches. You get up on stage and say, how many of you believe in Jesus? Every hand would go up. How many believe that he's the son of God? Every hand would go up, right? How many believe that he died on the cross and was raised from the dead? Every hand would go up. Then you say, well, how many of you believe in the Holy Spirit? Well, most hands would go up. Some would be kind of iffy. How many of you believe you can be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, then it gets real sketchy. Everybody starts freaking out, right? You think like, man, I, I, I know this is one of those churches, right? Man, you know, you're thinking, how quick can we get to the door? You know, electric start the car from here so it's running when we get out to the parking lot, right? And, and then you say, you know, you mention the word tongues, and it's like, good Lord, get under the seats, right? You know, you're just, you're scared to death, right? Because the devil has done everything he can to bring confusion and disruption to the Holy Spirit. Think about this for a minute, and I've said this before, Jesus tells his disciples, he's raised from the dead, he's hung out with them for a while, and he says, all right, now I've got to go. And they're like, whoa, 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 time out. Where are you going? Aren't we going to like overthrow Rome, take over the world, kind of, kind of, you know, that kind of thing? And he says, no, I've got to go to prepare a place for you. And when I'm there, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, right? I'm going to send the Holy Spirit back to earth so that he can be with you. He said, because it's better that I go so I can send the Holy Spirit. Now, to me, when you think about that, that just sounds absolutely nuts, Right? And like we said before, you know, think about next Sunday. It's like, hey, it's our week. Jesus is coming through town, you know. I mean, even think if he was in the area. It's like he's going to be in Lubbock this next weekend, Saturday night. We're going to go hear him. He's going to be healing. We're having fish fry after service. It's going to be amazing, right? And Jesus is here, right? It'd be absolutely nuts, right? But Jesus said, hey, it's better that I leave so that I can send the Holy Spirit. And it says, in that verse that we just read in Romans, not, excuse me, Romans fifteen thirteen, it says, "May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit you can live in hope." Right? We we know that we need hope in our lives. In Philippians uh, four verse six, uh, it talks about how that you know I'm not going to worry. It says, "Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything." Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done, right? It's talking about prayer, right? But in our lives, in the things that we do, we're not supposed to worry because through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can live in hope. All right, now I want to read you uh, one more verse. Uh, everybody pull your toes under your chair because we're going to step on some. Uh, Ephesians 5.18 says, 
Don't be drunk with wine, or wine can be translated to alcohol. Don't be drunk with alcohol because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I am not making that up. That is right out of Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. You notice how it doesn't say it's a sin? It doesn't say because it offends God because it's a sin. It says it will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And think how the, the devil has done everything he can to keep you from the Holy Spirit. He's done everything within his power to either make you scared of it, to make you resist it. I had a friend one time that said a friend told her at school that you wouldn't get into heaven without the Holy Spirit. So she said, I'm not going to get the Holy Spirit to prove them wrong. My cousin posted on Facebook and said a friend asked, you know, do you have to have the Holy Spirit to get into heaven? And she said, uh, you, you don't have to have the Holy Spirit to heaven, sweetheart. You need the Holy Spirit just to go to Walmart. <laughs> Why don't you not worry about the end of your life? I mean, you, you ever been to Walmart like after dark? It attracts a certain kind of person, right? We went to Wendy's the other night. We had to go pick up some stuff. And we were at Wendy's uh, after dark. And there was just some bad mojo in there. I mean, everybody looked pretty normal, but you know how you, you go places and you just have the eebie-jeebies? You're just like, man, something don't feel right. Right? You ever feel like that? You ever, you ever go into a place? Your, kid, your kids will be real sensitive. Your kids, you go somewhere, and, mom, something's wrong in here. Like, shut up. We're on vacation. Be happy. Right? No, no, the devil's, the devil's here. We got to go. Right? And you, you get to places and you have the eebie-jeebies. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God speaking to you, and, you, and he's telling you. And so, hey, don't. Be drunk with wine because it'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's some things about the Holy Spirit. You can write this down. 1 John 5, 7 says that the Holy Spirit is God. It says that he's God. Right? You can't get Jesus and not get the Holy Spirit. Right? That's like saying, I want, you, I want my wife but not her family. Yeah. Right? That makes you fight, don't it? Yeah. Yeah. It says in uh, John 14, 16 through 17 that he's a comforter and a helper. That he's here to comfort you and he's here to help you. Now, what happens is, is we're going to say that this represents you. All right, this is your, your spirit or your body, your vessel. And that when you get saved, God fills you with his presence, which is the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Think about that for a minute. Think about how that Jesus was dead and in the ground. And something raised him from the dead, which was the Holy Spirit. That raised him from the dead. That same power lives on the inside of you. That's what this represents. Right? You get saved. We know in Romans it says that you confess and believe that, right, that Jesus is Lord. He raised from the dead and you shall be saved. And this is what happens. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, as you live in a broken world, as you live in a cursed world, as you go throughout your day, you're exposed to sin, right? We do things that we, we wish we wouldn't do. We say things we shouldn't say. We do stupid stuff. We watch bad TV shows. We watch bad movies. We listen to bad music, right? We look at stuff we shouldn't be looking at. And then what happens is, is we begin to be affected by sin. Now, this is vinegar. Wish y'all could smell that. We should put some in the hazer so it smells like vinegar in here. And uh, now... That didn't do anything to the color of that water. That still looks just like water, right? But if I called Dylan up here to drink it, it would not taste very good, right? Because it's got vinegar in it. This is how most Christians are. You look good, but you stink on the inside, right? You look good. Your life looks cleaned up. You got nice clothes. This flesh suit you're in looks kind of good. But then if I get close and get a whiff, I can smell that vinegar, and you stink, Right? 
Jesus said the same thing to the Pharisees. He told them, he said, you're like a cup that has been washed on the outside, but hasn't washed the inside. You ever get milk in a cup and you just dump it, you don't rinse it, and it sits on the counter for about a day, and you think, what, what is that smell? And you think, oh, what, you, you, you know, it's like, that's, that's milk. Get in there, you start digging through cups, which one's got milk in it, right? And it stinks. It doesn't take long for milk to do that. And that's how most Christians look, right? And you've got nothing to give. You've got nothing nice to say. You, you're, you're not a good person, you know. It's like, oh, hey, I saw them in church. But then once you get around them, you get to know them, and you think, hmm, something's not right, right? They stink. Then what happens is, is we do other things. We have other sin in our lives. And as we do that, it gets into our lives, and it just be quickly spreads to every bit of it. It just gets everywhere. It gets in everything. We lie. We have a fight. We lose our temper. We scream at our kids, right? We, we, we do things that, you know, maybe you've got big sin in your life, and it, it really gets everywhere, and maybe you don't. You know, that's one of the things that I think that my generation and the generations coming up behind me are doing is we're taking church and we're saying, well, you know, the Bible was written a long time ago. Times have changed. If Jesus lived today, he wouldn't have said some of the things he said back then. You know, and, and that sin's not as bad. That sin's okay. Hey, this, we're going to accept this in church. We're going to accept this. And here's what you have to understand is the Bible uh, doesn't go out of date. Right, God was big enough to know that, hey, in 2018, this is how the world's going to look. This is what's going to be going on. And he would have put in the back of the book for the people of 2018. Right? You know, hey, the rule, these rules don't apply to you. But he didn't do that. The Bible doesn't go out of style, doesn't go out of date. God knew what he was doing. God knew what he was saying. And what happens is, is our, our life, what God has filled us with, quickly turns to junk. And it's just black, it's dirty, and you're a mess. And your life is a mess. All right? And then what has to happen is, is what you're doing right now this morning, right, as you come into church, God begins to fill you some more to the point to where it begins to spill over. And you come to church, you get into worship, right? You receive communion. We have prayer. You come up for prayer, and God quickly begins to flush out the junk in your life. Now, you can see that, it's still dirty, but it's not as dirty as it was, right? It's still got some junk in there, but it's not as dirty as it was. Then, you know, May Harkins, who uh, her husband plays the bass, Dennis, and she said many, many years ago before worship one time that the reason we raise our hands is because we're making a funnel, right? We're making a funnel so that God can pour into our lives during worship, right? Just as I said, uh, you know, it's Philippians 4, 6. It said we're not going to worry about anything, but instead pray about everything, right? Praise and worship is the same way. Right, songs can be for different things, right? This is how I fight my battles. That's a declaration, right? That's saying that, hey, this is how I'm going to fight my battles from now on. I'm not going to worry, but I'm going to trust God, right? We know that we don't fight against flesh and blood, which means we're not each other's enemy, but the devil is our enemy, right? We're going to sing that. I surrender. That's, that's a declaration of God. I surrender my life to you. I surrender. You know, I'm on my knees again, surrendering my life to you. This is amazing grace. That's talking about what God's done in my life. Man, grace, it's, that's so amazing. And we lift our hands to receive what God is pouring into us so that he can flush out the system and begin to clean us out and get all this junk out of our lives, right? And so, and then you go throughout your week and, and some more junk gets in there. You mess up, you act a fool, right? You sin, 
You do some dumb things you shouldn't do, right? And very quickly, it, it gets dirty again, right? And so you really like that song, you know, this is how I fight my battles. You like that song, so you download it and you begin to listen to it throughout the week. And God just continues to fill you up. You read the verse of the day every day, you devotions, you begin to pray, you begin to do all that, and God quickly begins to fill you up. Now, here's what happens. Camp's coming up this June, uh, and you go to camp, or you go to men's retreat, and over three days, God does this. And that's what happens in three days. And you get home, you know, you get home, and, you know, wives, you know, you think, man, your husband gets home from men's retreat, and, man, that, man, he did so good for a couple days, but then he was back in the broken world. And some more junk got in his life. Right, And so what we have to do is we have to continually be in church. We have to continually be praying. We have to continually be reading our Bibles, continually listening to worship music so God can clean us out. Now, here's what happens. God begins to clean you out, and he gets you all cleaned up. And then you pour out of this cup into others. Right, You pray for somebody, and you pour a little of your water into theirs. Right, you know, everybody's, uh, you know, dad told me one time, be careful who you tell you'll pray for him. You know, people are like, hey, I need prayers. Oh, great, I'll pray. You know, most people never pray. They just go home and forget about it. Because when you pray, you pour a little bit into theirs. When pastor gets up here and preaches, that's what he does. It empties the cup. Deion Sanders uh, had to do a speaking engagement, and he needed help putting a, a message together. So he called the pastor uh, we were at a conference, and I heard this pastor tell this story. He called this pastor up and said, I need help putting a message together. So he put the message together, you know, he plays pro football, and he helped him put it together. He said, hey, when you get done with the message, you know, call me the next day so, so we can talk about it. And two, three days went by, and he never heard from him. Right, finally, like four or five days later, Dion calls him up, and he says, man, I, I thought you blew me off. I thought you weren't ever going to call me. And he said, that was the most exhausting thing I've ever done in my life. And he said, I slept for two days straight after that speaking engagement. The reason is, is it's not, it's not physically tiring, but, you know, you spend time studying, preparing, getting ready, and you fill your cup, and then you get up here, and you dump every bit of it out. Right, And as you pour into other people, as you pour into your kids, as you pour into your family, as you pour into your spouse, as you be you know, the man of the household, as you do all you do in life and it takes out of your cup, then your cup ends up like this. This is when you fight. This is when you scream at your wife, yell at your kids. You're throwing a chair across the living room. You don't even know why you're throwing the chair across the living room. Right? You, you ever get mad and you think, I'm not even really mad? I don't even know what I'm mad about. Right? You ever fight and then you think, what are we fighting about? Right? That's just because your cup is empty, because you're not putting anything in it. See, here's what's supposed to happen. We put this cup down here represented uh, as another person. See, as God fills me up, as I spend time in the Word and in worship and in church, going to conferences, doing all that, it begins to overflow into the cup below. Right? I'm supposed to live my life in overflow. I'm not supposed to get to where my cup is empty and then I have nothing else to give. Or it's filled with vinegar, and what I have to give is no good. It stinks. And it doesn't mean that, you know, oh, hey, this morning all of you have gotten flushed out. Your cup's clean. Now, don't, don't let it be dirty next week. Right? No, you just come get filled back up again. See, like, when you read your Bible, let's say you get some junk in your life, right? We'll do some yellow junk there. As you read your Bible, and you say, well, I don't even know what I'm reading. I don't understand it. I don't get it. doesn't matter. 
He's flushing out the system, right? I, I, you know, I read Romans, and I didn't understand the blooming word of it. It doesn't matter, right? Now, the key is, is to read the New Testament. Don't read the Old Testament, right? The Old Testament's great. It's a great uh, part of the Bible, but don't spend your time reading that. You know, if you're getting into a, a book of the Bible and you can't pronounce the name, move on. If you're saying Habakkuk, don't, don't read Habakkuk, right? Just, just move on, right? Read Romans, Corinthians, right? That's all about who you are in Christ, what belongs to you, what Jesus has given to you, right? And so get into that and read that and begin to live your life in overflow. Just as we read in Ephesians, it says that, hey, don't get drunk. Don't get drunk because it'll ruin your life, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And our main verse for this morning is, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You have to allow God to fill you up. All right, now this doesn't mean that you can't go to the movies, that you can't listen to secular music. You know, secular just means non-Christian music, that all that stuff is bad. I always tell the kids in Ground Zero every once in a while we'll do a series, uh, you know, on like supernatural demons and, and stuff. Kids love that. And I was telling them, when you watch horror movies, you know, horrible, terrible horror movies, I said a demon crawls out of the TV into your living room. And they freak out a lot more than y'all do. They, they, they start screaming, crying, because they're all watching horror movies. But that is the reality, right? There are certain types of music that when you listen to that, that does draw demon spirits because it contradicts everything that the Word of God says. Now, not, not all music is like that. Not all secular music is like that, right? But, but that can happen in your lives. And what you have to do is you have to fill yourself with God. That's why when we come in here for praise and worship, you sing the words. You lift your hands because what are you doing? saying, I'm getting filled up. I want to live my life in overflow. I'm reading my Bible. I'm reading the verse of the day. I'm going to have some Christian music that I do listen to. I'm going to find some songs that I do like that I'm going to listen to. I'm going to be in church, right? When you're in church about once a month, you know, you get a little bit, and then you don't get any more. You got filled up. You're doing good. But then as you go throughout three weeks of no church, right, it quickly gets pretty bad. Then by the time church comes around again, you're, you're feeling like you don't want to go. Right? And so you have to continually be filled, flushing that system out. That's why, ladies, you want your husband at Minja Tree. Right? That's why you want your kids at camp. Because it's like, man, we're going to dump a whole picture in three days. Right? At camp, they call it your, 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 uh, your spiritual, like a physical, but it's your spiritual before the next school year. You go and get a spiritual, you get that system flushed out. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to be encouraged this morning that you're, you're, doing, you're making the first step. You're in church. We worshiped. We received communion. We read the word of God together, and we're flushing out the system. And I want to encourage you this week to read your Bible, to listen to some Christian music, find you a song that you like, listen to it. And, and as you do that, it flushes out the system. Anytime you can be in church, be in church. Anytime there's a a conference or a concert or something going on, be it that to flush that system. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray that as we're here this morning that you're flushing out the system. That you're flushing out the junk in our lives, the sin in our lives. And Father, I pray that as we're in your word, as we're listening 
to worship music, as we worship you, as we pray, Father, that you're continually filling us up so that we would live in overflow, that our kids would receive from our overflow, our grandkids would receive from our overflow, our children, Father God, our spouses, everyone around us that would come close to us would experience the overflow of your presence in our life. And Father, I pray that we wouldn't try to fill our lives with other things, that we wouldn't turn to other things, we wouldn't turn to the world, we wouldn't conform to the world, but we would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, would you go ahead and